This is Pastor Devin, and I just want to say thanks for joining us, and I hope and pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. Turn in your Bibles, Psalm chapter 1, verse 3, and it reads like this. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in due season. One of the things I love about living in this part of the country is the foliage. I love driving through mountains and admiring the varying types of trees, the oaks, the walnuts, the maples. I love driving through canopied back rows that allow just shafts of sunlight through their thick branches. I also love the seasons, the trees, the foliage, seemingly celebrating each season or moment, although it's temporary. In the spring, their new growth sings of hope and rebirth. Their lush greenery offers peace and rest and shade during the summer. In the fall, their colorful collages inspire creativity. And in their emptiness, trees grace the winter with silent elegance. It's then... When growth pauses, that the trees have often become my teachers. In the winter, are the trees bare? Yes. Are they barren? No. Life still is. And so it is with us. Seasonally, we too are stripped of visible fruit. Our giftings are hidden. Our abilities are underestimated. When previous successes fade and current efforts falter, we can easily mistake our fruitlessness for failure. But such is the rhythm of spiritual life, new growth, fruitfulness, transition, rest. New growth, fruitfulness, transition, rest, and on and on it goes. Abundance may make us feel more productive, but perhaps emptiness has greater power to strengthen our souls. In spiritual winters, our fullness is thin so that undistracted by our giftings, we can focus upon our character. In the absence of anything to measure, we are left with nothing to stare at except for our foundation, which causes greater inspection and introspection. When stripped away of our exterior covering, we begin to ask questions like, Who am I really? What am I all about? What is my life built upon and around? Which then moves to our motivations, the attitudes that influence our words, the the dead wood otherwise hidden beneath our busyness or the facade of success. The niceties of life can be so convenient. They're distractions to the reality of who we really are. Slowing down would force us to have to wrestle with the one we can't get away from, ourselves. Sometimes a life-changing transition occurs as we move from resistance through repentance to the place of rest. And we temporarily find ourselves content, simply abiding and remaining in Him like a tree Planted by living water. In winter, are we bare? Yes. Are we barren? No. True life still is. The Father's work in us does not sleep. Although it may feel lifeless and barren, He is purifying our faith and strengthening our character and conserving our energy and preparing us for the future. Have you ever felt hidden Have you ever moved to a new place or entered a new environment where no one knew who you were or what you could do or what you had accomplished? Have you ever crossed the threshold into another season of life where you shifted from recognition to anonymity, from the the court to the bench, from standing as a leader to now sitting as a learner? 
Have you ever resigned or, or retired from a position or title or transitioned from being sought after to being left out? Sometimes, often for months or even years, our potential seems to hibernate like a bear in winter. And over time, we begin to wonder if spring will ever awaken it again. You find yourself thinking, I have so much more to give and to be. We can spend years feeling that the greatest part of us is submerged in the unseen, as though others can only see the tip of the iceberg of who we really are. Arctic scientists now inform us that that only an eighth to a tenth of an iceberg is actually visible. As much as 90% is submerged below the surface in the unseen. Because of their enormous mass, with that proportion, icebergs, they now say, are virtually indestructible. This creates a, a wonderful template and an equation by which to live by. 10% visible plus 90% unseen can equal an indestructible life. The most influential life in all of history reflected the iceberg equation. 90% of his life on earth was spent in obscurity. 10% of his earthly life was spent in the public eye. And all of his life was and still is absolutely indestructible. Of the Gospels, 89 total chapters, only four offer any information about Jesus' life before the beginning of his public ministry. Mark and John skip the subject entirely. Here's what we do know about Jesus prior to his public adult ministry based on the accounts in Matthew and Luke. He was born in Bethlehem in a barn to his parents, Mary and Joseph, followed by hidden days. He was circumcised in the temple on his eighth day, followed by hidden months. Right around the age of two, he received a visit from eastern wise men, followed then by hidden years. At the age of 12, of course, Jesus gets in trouble for staying in the temple, listening, asking questions when he was supposed to be with his parents headed back home, which is then followed by 18 hidden years. And the Bible, being the epitome of understatement, gives us this line at the end of Luke after Mary and Joseph have retrieved him from the temple. Luke chapter 2, verse 52 says this, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. And Jesus grew. Where is Jesus from 12 to 30? Very simply, he is growing, maturing. All four of the Gospels mark the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry by introducing John the Baptist and his declarations concerning Jesus. Luke chapter 3, verse 15 the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. Verse 16, John answered them all and said, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Verse 17, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. 
I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Now, it's important to remember that this starting point is not chapter 1 of Jesus' life. It is chapter 30. We, unfortunately, know practically nothing about Jesus' first 29 hidden chapters of life. Only three years. Less than 10% of Jesus' days are visible through the writings of the Bible. Over 90% of his earthly life is submerged in the unseen. Question. When you say you want to be like Jesus, how much of that revolves around his visible seen moments? I mean, if we're honest, most, if not all, of our desire and declaration to be like him references Jesus' visible years. Our desire to be like Jesus contains several exemptions, not the least of which are Jesus' hidden years and desert experiences and temptations and torture and crucifixion. Now, we'll, we'll pass on those. Thank you very much. When you say you want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, friend, don't forget what happened to the hands and feet of Jesus. Now, what we are most definitely interested in is Jesus' character and authority. How we long to see His character and authority transform this broken world through our lives. But Jesus' character and authority come with Jesus' life, 90% of which was lived in quiet anonymity. Desiring His authority can't come without His hidden life. What is unrecorded or unseen isn't unimportant. In fact, what is unseen is most integral, necessary, formative, and foundational to the understanding and experiencing the fullness of what God has planned for your life. From God's perspective, anonymous seasons are sacred spaces. They are quite literally formative, to be rested in, not rushed through, and most definitely never to be regretted. Hidden years... Yes, are the surprising birthplace of true spiritual greatness. Maybe, maybe you find yourself in a hidden season today. Maybe you're in a trial right now. Maybe you find yourself cycling through the same challenges. You know know what I found? Trials tell us less about our future than they do about our past. Why? Why? Because the decisions we make in difficult places today are greatly the product of decisions we made in the unseen places of our yesterdays. Let's let's superimpose this idea upon the life of Christ. Immediately following Jesus' public arrival onto the scene at the Jordan River, he finds himself in the wilderness where he's able to thwart the temptations of Satan. Why? How? Because the strongest influences on the decisions that Jesus made in the desert were the choices that he had been making long before the desert. For some of you whose past may be somewhat more colorful, or or maybe the decisions you've made in the past, you would prefer that they not be influencing your current situation. Or maybe, maybe you've bought into the lie that your past or your background defines you and therefore disqualifies you for future significance in the kingdom of God or, or making a mark in any way. Or perhaps you don't have the necessary credentials that seem to be required or the lineage of qualified persons. Listen, listen. God specializes in redefining and in some cases defying man-made limitations and impositions. He did it even with his own son. You remember? 
Remember what people said about Jesus' background and where he had come from? Even as Jesus is handpicking his disciples, you remember what Nathaniel said to Philip, John chapter 1, verse 46, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And yet this is where God sent his son for his first three hidden decades of life. Even after miraculous feats, after the healing the man at the pool of Bethesda, after the feeding of the 5,000, after walking on water, even still, they doubted the validity of his ministry based on his background and lineage. John chapter 7, verse 40. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He is the Christ. Still others asked, How can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? During his public years of ministry, when Jesus returned to his hometown and taught in the synagogue, the people were stunned. Their response was not, that's our boy, or man, I always knew he was special, or man, we saw that a long time ago. No, throughout almost three decades, it had never occurred to this small community that Jesus might be made of prophetic, let alone messianic, material. Listen to their response to Jesus' amazing ministry in Matthew chapter 13. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all of these things? And they took offense at him. So Jesus grows up in a relatively uncelebrated town from an unroyal family, from an unliked region. This could be so frustrating if you crave notoriety. But it can also be freeing if you value learning without the recognition. It's actually freeing to embrace being hidden. But if if fame is craved, believe me, frustration awaits you. Somehow, Jesus was able to accept this reality. Can you imagine what this must have been like? Every day, waking up wondering, is is today the day? Each day, turning to his Father God in prayer and asking what every child has asked en route to the destination on their family vacation, are we there yet? Day after day, month after month, year after year, Father God simply replied, Not yet. Today is not the day. A God-sized mission pulsating in his heart, but he's not free to explain it, proclaim it, or even actively pursue it. Onlookers only saw the tip of the iceberg of who Jesus truly was, and they could have never imagined the indestructible greatness growing just beneath the surface of Jesus' unapplauded life. And yet, all the while, Jesus is walking around knowing that he's the Messiah, listening to Pharisees, seeing sick people. What what is it like for a 20-something-year-old Jesus to attend a funeral, knowing that at any moment he could bring life? This begs the question for us today. How do we respond to God's not yet? A delayed destiny. What is... Growing in the gap. What you thought your life would look like and its reality. The gap between our true capabilities and our current realities. Let's be, let's be honest. 
Most of us struggle if our dreams are delayed one year, let alone 18. Listen, friend, know this. In your calling is not only the greatness of the dream and the vision, but in your calling is also the waiting and the wrestling of the unseen, not yet seasons, which could be months, yes, years. Just as the vision is from Him, the hidden seasons are God-designed as He prepares you to be able to handle it coming to pass. In anonymous seasons, we, we must hold tightly to the truth. Paul said it this way, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It can be frustrating But when he calls a soul simultaneously to to greatness and obscurity, the fruit, if we wait for it, can change the world. So, we go back to that day. That day when Jesus finally hears his father respond to his questions of, is today the day? Are we there yet? He finally hears Father God say, actually, we are. Today is the day. There. Where is there for you? What does it look like? What do you think it will feel like? For some of you, where you are today and what you find yourself doing is so far from there that you can't even imagine what that looks like. Your, your current reality is so disconnected from your anticipated destiny, it's, it's hard for you to even mentally go there. For Jesus, there was a miraculous but misunderstood journey towards a splintered, bloody cross. Imagine, imagine how Jesus must have felt when he arrived at the Jordan, saw the crowds of mostly sincere souls, and hearing John yell out, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. In response, most of us at this point would have exploded, Here I am! I have finally come. God sent me to bring you new life. But no, not Jesus. Instead, he navigates his way through the crowd and he wades into the Jordan towards John, his cousin. What about the people? What are are they thinking? My guess is that they were all thinking, well, there's one more repentant sinner. That must make at least 50 today. With no parade, no fanfare, no drum roll, not even an explanation, Jesus allows himself to be thought of as a sinner. Wow. Now there's a thought. Some of us have delayed pursuing our destiny even after we've gotten clearance and heard from God that today is the day because we're afraid of what people might think or say on our way into the water. Or we're terrified to think that they might remind us of our past and why we're not the best candidate or why we don't qualify. For some of you, even the knowledge that God has called you and prepared you, that isn't enough to have courage and confidence in your purpose. Listen to me. Listen. The voice of human affirmation will never add or subtract to the one voice that has already spoken over your life. How does... How does Jesus do that? 
After waiting for decades in anonymity, how does he not immediately let the people know who he really was and all that's in his heart? Jesus' anonymous season had prepared him for this moment. The choices he made in the Jordan are reflections of the choices he'd been making long before the Jordan River. And hidden years, when heeded, they empower a soul to patiently trust God with their press release and coming out party. All that waiting actually grants us the strength to wait a little longer. To not rush God's plan for our life. Maybe. Maybe. We can begin to measure ourselves not by where we are going and how quickly we can get there. But by whom we are following and how closely we walk together. Friend, I'm convinced that patience and trust will grow well with that type of perspective. Not how quickly can I get there, not where am I going, but whom am I going with? Whom am I following and how closely can we walk together? Thanks again for joining us. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at 10.30 a.m. right next to Wilson Central High School or check us out online at connectchurchtn.com. Thanks so much and have a blessed day.